Greetings, friends. I am Matthew Kennedy, licensed professional counselor. You are listening to Experience Emerge. Today, we will dive into another conversation about the broken and fractured aspects of our lives. Then we will discuss how we put these pieces back together again to find rest and live free. C.S. Lewis once said, Miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. In today's episode, we are going to explore a story in hopes to gain a little bit of perspective on those larger letters. Many of us are noticing an overwhelming feeling in these uncertain times of the coronavirus. Some may feel it in their mind, body, spirit, and soul. Many of you may have never really experienced some of these visceral feelings of fear, uncertainty, and loss of control before. Today, I got to spend some time with a licensed professional clinical counselor who works at Emerge Counseling Center, just to get a better idea of what this anxiety thing is all about. Please welcome to the podcast, Tish Granville. Well, hello there. I am Tish Granville. I am a licensed professional clinical counselor here in the state of Ohio, and I have been practicing right here at Emerge Uh, counseling services for nearly 11 years now. I um, actually started out doing my internship with Emerge and it turned into um, a career. Um, So I'm very grateful for that. And I primarily am working with kids, teens, and adults and spending most of my clinical time treating trauma, family dysfunction, anxiety, and depression. Mm. That's great. So Obviously, you know, we are in a uh, a very strange time and in the last couple episodes that I've done on the podcast is obviously focusing in on um, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Um, a lot of things have come up of late about anxiety and, and, and that is a pretty natural uh, response to a um, a critical time like this. So the reason um, we're going to spend some time uh, today on the podcast talking about this word anxiety. So what, what are we trying to, to comprehend uh, with, with this, with this word? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I have a couple of definitions, a couple of favorites. Um, this is how I comprehend anxiety and it's based on um, a lot of the stories that I've heard from clients And honestly, I believe them to be the expert. I don't see myself as the expert, but really the expertise that I do have is because of what they've shared with me and how I filled in the gaps and connected the dots. Um, So I've kind of gathered this conclusion about what anxiety is. Um, So one type of anxiety is it's about a state of being safe, but still living life on the run. Um, And we can go more into what that what that exactly looks like. And the other one is anxiety is a state of not being safe, yet unable to run, um, not able to do something. Um, So so I'll go back to the first one. Um, Anxiety being a state of uh, being safe, but living life on the run. So you have this runner's energy kind of going on um, in the body. It may not necessarily be literal, um, although it can be that the person actually appears to be on edge if you were to interview someone else who knows them very jittery antsy can't sit still um busy a lot that's how it's manifesting um maybe literally running around um from place to place 
um, trying to discharge it. Um, but sometimes it's very figurative. It's, and it's happening in the body, the running. Um, it's the thoughts racing. We say racing thoughts a lot, but really what is that? The thoughts are running around in your head. Um, it's, it's actually as if the thoughts have on Nike tennis shoes. Um, uh, the breath, the breath is running. Um, the heart rate is up like a jogger's heart. Um, and there's beads of sweat running down the face. There's perspiration. Um, so the person doesn't perceive safety, only the threats. And so they have a lot of that running energy going on in the body. And the blood, too. The blood is running um, through the veins. Um, the other type of anxiety develops when there really is a threat. Um, so the threat is real, whether it's a physical threat, whether it's a psychological one. It's very real. But maybe running isn't an option or maybe it's not a good option. And so that energy to do something, which is really what anxiety is about, is like I need to do something. Um, I need to move towards this threat. I need to move away from it um, so I can neutralize it. That energy is stuck inside when you can't do anything with it. And so what that does is it builds and builds and builds and it can turn into panic um, or freezing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, you and I were talking uh, a little bit before and we, we were discussing the fact that um, we are living in a time right now where the stimulus is actually there. Yes. And, and oftentimes when, as you and I work with clients, we're, we're talking about the emotional response to a stimulus, stimulus that usually isn't really there. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of, you know, um, situational or, or, um, or social. Mm -hmm. Well, now we're living in a time where there is a fear. And there mm -hmm. is there is a uh, you know a social distancing, which is a word I'd never used, never until never heard. a month ago. And as as you and I talked, as we are created to be in communion with others, mm -hmm. all of a sudden now as therapists, that idea of the stimulus versus the emotional response, well now mm -hmm. the stimulus is up. It's up. It's there. Yeah. So. Talk to me a little bit about the somatic, the body response. Um, some of the things that you, you were sharing before, go, go into that a little bit about uh, what anxiety does somatically. Oh, whew. Well, somatically, there's a lot going on. And by the way, for those who are not familiar with that word, uh, somatic comes from the root word soma, which means body. So it's all about what's happening in the body, what's taking place. Um, really anxiety is playing out there. Uh, you could say the body is under siege. Um, all parts of the body, all systems of the body, head, heart, muscles, skin, lungs, stomach, immune system, reproductive system, nervous system, all of those systems are impacted in various ways. Um, and it's really fascinating when you go inside and just notice what's happening that you're really seeing um, how the body is responding to whatever that threat is. Um, for instance, you know, common things like breath rate increasing, blood pressure um, intensifying, uh, heart rate, um, skin cooling or heating up, pupils dilating throat closing and constricting all of these things are happening right there in the home that we call our bodies so it can be very very dysregulating very scary 
and send more messages to the brain that, hey, I'm in trouble, I'm in danger. Um, there's a scripture, 1 Corinthians 12 and 26, um, where Paul is talking to the body of Christ, but he's referencing the, the actual physical body. And he says, when one part suffers, another part suffers with it. Uh, when one part is honored, another part rejoice. Um, right? That's really fascinating um, when you look at the body in that way. When one part is suffering, another part suffers with it. When the anxiety is in the mind, there are going to be other areas of the body that, that are suffering with the mind. And so our listeners out there probably can really resonate with that. Yes, there are parts of your body that are definitely suffering um, while your mind is um, processing threats. Sure. So Tish, what do we do with that? What, what are some things that you might share with, if I were your client today and I was sitting here and, and we were in your office and well, we're not allowed to be in your office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, 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 we right were, if we were doing telehealth, like we are right now, if we yes. were doing that and I was explaining to you, it's like, Tish, I am uh, throughout the course of the day noticing my heart rate is jumping um, and I'm in a resting um, uh, uh, pace or si situation and uh, I'm, I'm noticing sweats. I'm noticing, you know, I think I've heard clients talk about the elephant on the chest you know, where it's just, you get that. What, what do we do? Mm. So if the, if the suffering is happening in the body, then that means the ministry has to happen to the body. So there's going to need to be some ministering to those places where you're feeling the presence of that anxiety and something so simple, but to just apply some touch there, um, find out where that location is. So you're going to have to go in and center for a second there you're going to have to be present with those sensations, be still for a second. And then when, where you notice those sensations, whether that's in your heart space or the lung space, the shoulders, the neck, the, the back, the stomach area, you can actually apply some very gentle touch there um, and see what happens when you do that. Like the power of touch is so beautiful. It's, it's, it's been with us since the beginning of time. And it's a great way to offer some self-healing. So touch that space. If it's the belly, touch it and see if you can get that pendulum swinging in the opposite direction. Um, opposite sensation, whatever you're feeling. See if you can move towards opposite sensation. Um, try out an opposite uh, movement. Um, if you're moving around too much, opposite movement might be to be still. If you're too still, opposite movement may be to get moving a little more. Um, opposite posture. If the shoulders are up, what happens when you drop them down? Um, and then opposite breath pattern. So really kind of finding the sensation, locate it and get that pendulum swinging in the opposite direction. That's good. What are some, if somebody was recognizing now that they may need to seek out therapy, what might be some therapies or some things that, that um, counselors use to help people with anxiety? Well, of course, the tried and true um, um, cognitive behavior therapy, recognizing thought patterns. Mm -hmm. So what's considered top-down processing. So you're starting from the top, starting um, in the brain regions, neocortex, where our higher order thinking is and where we're able to really process things logically. Um, so cognitive behavioral therapy does that. But also um, finding a therapist who specializes in bottom-up 
treatment. Mm -hmm. So working from the body functions, um, someone who's trained and skilled in working um, from a somatic orientation who can help you work with muscle tension and, and body posture and breath patterns and, and help you locate sensations. And many of my clients don't know sensation words. When I ask them, what's that feel like in the body? They say um, it feels, they use the feelings word. It feels mm -hmm. angry or it feels sad. Well, let's, let's get some more sensation words in your vocabulary. It feels tight. It feels loose. It feels warm. It feels cool. Mm. It feels tingly. Um, right. So some, someone who's skilled at those kinds of um, techniques would be really, really good um, to really get some healing there in the body. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing to realize, um, God created anxiety too. Like we, we have this um, uh, alarm system uh, built in to our bodies. And I think uh, a lot of it comes uh, because of self-preservation. And mm -hmm. I, I don't remember the book I read this out of, it was probably last year I read this, but it was a really great analogy and understanding of, of anxiety. But um, it, he was talking, the author was talking about early man and he was kind of asking, who do you think survived? Somebody with high anxiety? And this is like Old Testament time or low. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the answer is high anxiety because it's like, well, that the high anxiety is probably not going to go and walk towards the saber-toothed tiger or, or no. you know. Correct. It, yes. Like God knew that we needed this response. It, it, if you and I were walking through the woods and a bear walks out in front of us, I don't need to joke with that bear. I don't need to be clever with that bear. I have an automatic, I have an automatic response that goes off in the body. The prefrontal cortex shrinks. And then all of a sudden I'm in fight or flight mode. The problem yeah. is we have a nation and, and a world that millions of people are in fight or flight right now. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and one of the things I share with clients all the time is we have to be careful with the long duration of one experience like we want moods and experiences i love that moving in and, and but when yeah. you're in heightened level of anxiety for days and then weeks that's when it becomes a problem yes i love that you said that um i love that you touched on um how fear and anxiety have actually preserved us we're actually here alive today because mm -hmm. of the role of fear in our lives um and, but so there's a distinction there for me between fear and anxiety. Um, fear, I think, helps a little bit more with a threat that's a little more immediate, um, mm -hmm. like crossing the street. Fear is what has, has me looking both ways before I, I cross because the fear is being hit by a car, right? So I need that or else we would all have, you know, met our fate sure. without those fears. But to me, anxiety comes into play when every time now you cross the street or about to cross the street, you pause much longer than you need to, maybe not even crossing, because now there's anxiety that there's cars coming when they're really not. And maybe you're missing the window of times across because that that anxiety is there that I'm going to get, I'm definitely going to get hit by a car. Right. So fear is definitely needed to cross. But anxiety will have you standing on the side of the road much longer than you need to. Yeah, that's really good. So in, in this new era of COVID-19, um, you and I talked a little bit before about how do we normalize this? Because I know in my lifetime, I've never lived through 
a period like this. I've, I've never, you know, and I, I think most people, I, I talked to my 97 year old grandfather the other day, mm-hmm. and he talked about a few experiences in his life where he's experienced so much that <laughs> that were somewhat similar to this, but in my lifetime, uh, I, I haven't experienced that. So uh, talk to me about how do we normalize this thing for, for um, not only clients, not only um, people who are listening, um, but also us as therapists. Yeah, well, I like what you said earlier, Matt, about the stimulus being real. Um, so I think that's the first part that we want to normalize, that this threat is real. It's actual. We're not making it up. Um, it's not perceived. And normalizing also that there's not a lot we can do about it. We are being told to stay in the home and the way to fight it is to stay away from it. And that may seem very unnatural for people, you know, the runners and the fighters of the world who like to go out and actual, actually fight threats or feel like they're, they have more control of the running process. So there's not a lot to do with that energy. So just normalizing that part, but also a major, major component about this virus is we can't see it, right? You can't track it. And so just think about how, heightened that 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 causes the anxiety to become when there's a threat that you can't see much of many of us would rather deal with the threat that we can track and trace um so that just causes the anxiety to go through the roof there um because now we feel like we have very little control because you can't see a virus right without a microscope um so it could be anywhere it could be on that door handle you just touched it could be um, in, in the air, you know, in the space where you were just talking to your neighbor, right? Um, that makes us feel very, very vulnerable. Um, so I would argue that this anxiety is going up because we can't properly track it. And there's this negative belief that uh, what we can't see will be bad. What we can't see will be bad. Honestly, which is the opposite of faith. So that's where the faith comes in. Um, our faith comes in right there because faith is all about unseen. Um, um, so faith is trusting in the goodness of the unseen and that God is working in the unseen. But, you know, our, our heart rates, our, our blood pressure, those things are still relevant right now. Um, because this virus, we don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. You make a really good point. And, you know, I'll, I'll share a little self-disclosure, you know, for me, um, I think it was about two weeks ago, we got word that our, our neighbor, who's a nurse and, and goes to our church, and um, she was um, diagnosed and, and was sent home on a home quarantine. And I remember having a conversation with my wife that night. We have a two-year-old daughter who has in a, a compromised immune system. Mm-hmm. And I was standing in the living room, and that fear just overwhelmed me because it's mm-hmm. like, I can't protect my family. I can't see mm-hmm. this Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If there's an intruder, I got a shot. Yes, right. But with this, with this thing, I, I it was so overwhelming because you know, as, as a husband and as a as a father, that mm-hmm. is like indoctrinated into me to protect <laughs> yes. these two women in my life yeah. from this invisible thing that I I have no I have no idea, and so that that mm-hmm. makes us feel like. Um, I think the word continues to come back to control. You know, it's like this, yeah. Yeah. we get locked into these um, patterns. I was listening to Dr. Henry Cloud. He was talking on a, a, a podcast as well. And he was talking about the idea of control and that we kind of set our lives up into these routines so mm-hmm. that it's predictable. 
Mm, well, yeah, it's not predictable anymore. Not predictable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not predictable at all. Talk to me a, bit, a little bit about you. Like, well, what have you noticed um, either through the changes in our work um, or even in your personal life since, since this whole thing became real um, a couple weeks ago? So what I've been noticing both in myself and even in um, clients that I've um, encountered in the past month, um, I'm honestly owning the fact that I'm in survival mode and I'm making that okay right now. I'm just literally just trying to take it one moment at a time and just feeling the shock of what's happening. Um, I'm trying to just do some very normal things every day. Um, get up, make the bed, eat breakfast, play with the kids, um, have lunch, these very normal things. But in a sense, I know I'm not feeling very deeply uh, what's really happening because I feel like I can't. I have to keep kind of mobilizing in some way to create some normalcy for myself and for my kids and my family. Um, so give it 30 days or 60 days, and this is what I'm telling clients, I think many of us are going to start thawing out and coming out of shock and really start mentally wrestling with the truth of what's happening and all of the loss and all of the change. Um, so that's where I am and that's where a lot of my clients are. But also, too, uh, there's links to the past wrapped up in this virus and in this crisis. Um, one processing question I've been asking clients, pretty much all of them is, um, what does this remind you of? And I'm getting some really, really good feedback, uh, painful feedback, but um, this is a reminder for a lot of people of something from their past, um, times where they were, you know, maybe punished harshly, if they're a teenager or um, an adult survivor of something, uh, times where they were isolated, either because of their depression or anxiety, but this is a reminder of that isolation, um, times where people were victimized in different ways. Um, so I'm getting a lot of things coming up about what this isolation and um, separation from connection and people, um, it's bringing up a lot. It's bringing up quite a lot. Yeah, I, I um, as well, I've had a lot of clients that I really thought were very close to termination and we were, you know, doing extremely well and then all of a sudden we have reverted almost all the way back because uh, I think a lot of this has stirred up a lot of um, stuff that, that that people may not even realize was there and mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I you and I were talking I noticed that with myself too I mean 10 years ago I worked through an anxiety disorder and that's what led me into the mental health world and over the past couple of weeks all of a sudden I'm like oh somebody's rearing their ugly head again. I've just noticed it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how, how are you doing as a mom? How are you handling this with your kids? I mean, what, what kind of conversations does that take? Well, uh, my, my children are young enough where they really don't know the wiser. So mm -hmm. they know that they're not in school. And so that's been the biggest conversation is we're not in school because there's, you know, I told my four-year-old, there's a germ out there, you know, there's mm -hmm. a germ out there and it's, it's making people sick. And um, it's, it's really best that we stay safe right now. So you're not in school right now. Because of that, we have to, we have to stay safe. I try to use safety versus emphasizing danger and threat. Instead of saying, oh, it's, it's dangerous, it's bad, it's going to hurt us. I'd rather just say, 
this is also we can stay safe. I've been emphasizing hand washing so mm-hmm. we can be safe, right? So that that's where the emphasis is. And that's kind of where I'm parking it um, because of their age. Yeah. Um, and then we're just having lots of very normal conversations. Um, yeah. yeah. I love that. The focusing on the safety aspect of it rather than like, as we talked about earlier, bringing in the fear. Bring, um, yeah, bring the elements of fear, right. Right. Um, Even though it's real. It is real, but I, I think there there are ways that we can frame this, especially for you know those populations and those those age ranges that we don't we, we don't want to traumatize them um, from these types of things. Mm-hmm. So, um, Tish, would you mind just kind of maybe sharing a little bit about your faith and 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 how um, that comes into play and, and how that's um, helping or or assisting you through this time? Yeah, so uh, I've been walking with the Lord since I was eight years old. Um, I got saved at my church at that time. Um, It was all very um, just spirit-led. No one made me do it. Um, I I felt the move of the Holy Spirit over my heart. And I've I've been with him ever since then, but not perfect, not a perfect relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been authentic. It's been real. And I've had my own battles with anxiety pretty much all of my life, just because there's just a legacy of dysregulation and fear and anxiety in my family of origin. So I know a thing or two about fear and I know a thing or two about anxiety and I'm constantly working through it. Um, uh, But for me, um, I've been just referencing a lot, the story of Jesus and the disciples on the boat in the storm out Mm. on the sea. And um, that's just really been a reference point for me uh, because what I love about that story and I laugh and joke about it with friends and family and clients is I really don't, I really don't believe Jesus was all that bothered by the storm. And I think he would have continued to sleep had not the disciples um, disturbed him. Mm -hmm. I think they disturbed him more than the storm did. Um, And so for me, it's really about having Jesus on the boat with you Mm -hmm. during the storm and trusting him even if he does not cause the storm to be still, really the peace and the healing and the solace comes from having him join in the storm with us. And so I really love that. Like I said, that's that's kind of where I'm touching back um, as far as that's my base. Um, is that he's, the, I feel everything. I feel every bit of this storm. I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my heart. I feel the dysregulation in my own belly, in my own head. But to know that he's on the boat with me and that he's filling this all with us, it gives me a, a very, very nice, calming kind of regulation effect mm-hmm. in my mind, in my body, in my spirit. Um, so I'm trying not to stretch myself to too many um, different anchors as far as in the scripture, but just a few that are really kind of guiding me through this. And that's one of them. That's great. You know, I, I, I constantly keep reminding myself uh, through this that God's in control. I know that. And, you know, I, I know, um, you know, a little over 10 years ago, I, I was running life at a pace and God used anxiety to kind of bring me to my knees and I needed to, I needed to listen. Yeah. And I, I feel like as I looked around the world and in, in our culture, you know, we were running a race at a pace that was just getting out of control. And if God wanted to get our attention and and bring us to a complete stop for us to start rethinking and reprioritizing mm-hmm. and 
focusing our energy on things that are actually important. I don't know a better mm -hmm. way to do that than what he's doing right now. And yeah. as scary as a time that this is, I have a lot of hope for yeah. where we are headed um, mm -hmm. or for families who, you know, weren't even allowing themselves enough time to have dinner together. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're always running and running and running and running this, this rat race that I don't know that we were getting anywhere. And so mm -hmm. my hope and prayer is that the conclusion, and I pray that there is a conclusion. Yes. On, on the <laughs> other side of this, we, we look at things and, 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 and the world's maybe a little bit different of a place. I mean, that's my prayer. I love that. I love that. I thank you for saying that. Thank you for emphasizing that. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I saw a post that said, we don't need to go back to normal because normal wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And you know, that kind of quote, it just hit me in my soul. Um, yeah. And I, t I wholeheartedly agree with it. And I agree with you. I think Jesus is doing something in what we thought was normal. And hey, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm along for the ride. Lord, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just going to strap my seatbelt in a little bit, but take us <laughs> where right. you need to take us. Yeah. Um, so we can see the beauty of what he really wants to do with us um, after this is over. And it will be over. It will be. Well, Tish, I, I appreciate you uh, a ton. And I uh, certainly respect you as a therapist and, and look up to you and uh, appreciate this conversation of anxiety. I, I don't know, what, you know, again, what this is going to look like, but I, I have a feeling as we you know, come out of this, a lot of people are going to want to have this discussion about what they've experienced. And I've had mm -hmm. conversations with people who haven't experienced anxiety their entire lives. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden over the last month, month and a half, they're going through these uh, experiences. So I, I think it's going to be a topic of conversation we're going to be talking about for a while. Yeah, I'm just glad to be a part of the conversation and um, to be able to just share my, my own humanness um, my own experiences with anxiety, my understanding of it. Um, and my hope is still that um, Jesus is, he's in the tremble. He's in the tremble with us, right? He's the God of the tremble. So he gets what we're going through. He gets what's going on in our bodies. And as long as we can do small little things to to move in opposite directions of what's happening, to to locate cues of safety wherever we can find them, um, to find rest as we need it, to find movement as we need it, to find co-regulators, people who can help regulate with us. As long as we're doing those things, um, we're going to be okay. We are going to be okay. We already know how the story ends, and we know Jesus is victorious. Tish is an excellent therapist and um, just so appreciative of her sharing her knowledge on anxiety. But this conversation is far from over. I believe we will, we will be talking about overcoming a lot of mental and emotional issues as we continue to live in the COVID-19 era. I want to thank Tish again. If you'd like to reach out to the show, please email us at experience at emerge.org or check out our website, emerge.org, for more information about who we are. Thank you for listening. So until next time, or when our Savior comes. God bless.